When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everybody, welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I am Dan Lobby. I'm Mary Kay Cabot. And I'm Scott Patsko. And this is our first day one training camp podcast, and we're going to try something really weird. We're going to call it <laughs> First and Ten, and we're just going to throw out ten topics and talk about them real quick. But we haven't really rehearsed, we don't know the topics. We kind of do, but we haven't really gone over what topics we're going to throw out there. Mm-hmm. So, um... I don't know, Mary Kay, why don't you go first today? Give us our first topic. Well, I think we have to start with OBJ. I mean, it was OBJ day out here in Berea from the start of practice to the end of practice. We watched him sign babies in onesies. We watched him take (laughs) selfies with fans. And most importantly, we watched him put on a little bit of an aerial aerial show in practice, including two great sideline catches, acrobatic catches over Terrence Mitchell, one of which he tipped, bobbled, caught while on his knee. Uh, that got the fans all fired up. He felt the love from the fans today. He felt it was just a big love fest with OBJ today, and he talked a lot about that. He seems happy to me. He seems at peace. I tried to show him a house that I thought <laughs> he would really like. He thinks it's a little out of his price range. I don't think so, but uh, it was a great OBJ day today. I, I think... You know, I'm just reminded today of all days that, like, I I think we kind of underestimate how huge of a star Odell Beckham is. I I mean, he is, you know, I don't want to make the LeBron comparison because LeBron is at a different level than most athletes. But Odell is sort of near that level as far as being a national, worldwide star. I mean, this is anecdotal, but, you know, my, my son really doesn't watch a lot of football. You know, I'm not home on Sundays watching football. He doesn't follow the NFL. He he doesn't really watch football, but he knows who Odell Beckham is. And Mm -hmm. him and his friends on the playground try and, you know, they try and do an Odell with the one-handed catch. So I I think today is sort of a reminder as we're all posting videos and we're seeing the fan reaction to him and we're seeing just the national media converge, even more so than Baker Mayfield. Uh, I mean, Odell Beckham is a true superstar he is the definition of the term superstar oh yeah my, my daughter is the same way she's 13 and she doesn't watch football doesn't really follow the browns but when odell got traded here she knew who that was mm-hmm. you know yep. um but the the reaction of the fans today i think was kind of interesting they uh they were chanting everybody's name as they came out uh, onto the field at the beginning when they got to odell it was just it just became this scream this, this force of sound uh, for him and we had a good picture of it on, on cleveland.com 
uh, in a couple different places, and you can see uh, uh, the guys who were kind of leading these these chants were just kind of losing their minds when he walked down the field. So they got 14 more of these practices to go. They have to pace themselves, I think. But it was definitely uh, an exciting day for fans. You know what, and you, you brought up a good point there, Dan. Is he as big as LBJ? I think he is. I think because also because it's football, you know what I mean? Because I think there is that element of superstardom uh, just because of the nature of the NFL. So I would have to say that having him here in Cleveland is very similar to the magnitude of having LBJ here. LeBron doesn't have his own YouTube channel. He does have a movie coming out, though. Yeah. All right. So, uh, but I, I, you know, I will say Odell is probably the biggest. Well, you know, I'm going to throw this out there. Maybe somebody will correct me. He's got to be the biggest non-quarterback star. In the I think league. so. I'm trying to think if there's other people out there, but as far as non-quarterbacks, he's he's got to be at or near the very top of that list. Yeah. I we'll let, we'll let people out there listening come up. If you want to throw corrections at me, go for it. But I think it's going to be hard to find. Uh, topic number two. I'm going to throw out Miles Garrett. He talked today. And he said, he has said this before, this isn't anything new, but he has said he wants to be defensive player of the year. He wants to be known as the best defensive player in the NFL. Uh, That's kind of how he wants to make his mark. Defensive player of the year, I think there is a gear that we, maybe not a gear, but I think there is a level of accomplishment that we haven't seen from Miles Garrett yet. I mean, what he did last year was really impressive. Um, The sack numbers were great. The pressures impacting the quarterback but I do think there's a level we haven't seen from him yet and and I think Browns fans should be excited about what he could do this year yeah I think so I mean every time you know we talk to a coach or someone closely associated with Miles they feel like he's got a little bit more than him another gear a little bit more nastiness that's what his defensive line coach Clyde Simmons told me last year Steve Wilk says he wants him to take it up to another level this year. So I think he does have that in him. And he contends that Greg Williams held him back and limited him to only two pass rush moves. So if all of this is true, and now he's got Olivier Vernon on the other side taking some pressure away from him, I I think, I don't know, I think this could be a really big breakout year for him. Can we get Jake Burns to go back through all the (laughs) film last year and see how many moves Miles actually used? I, I find it hard to believe that he only used... Two moves, but you know, he, why would he lie about that, right? Maybe um, he did. You know, I think what we want to see from Miles Garrett is kind of what we've seen from JJ Watt uh, a few years ago when he came to Cleveland with the Texans. He he dominated that mm-hmm. game. Yeah, we haven't seen that from Miles Garrett yet. We haven't seen him take over a quarter or or just totally change the face of a game. You know, he's obviously made a lot of big plays, but uh, that's I think the next level that everybody wants to see him get to, where where you look at it and you say Miles Garrett, you know, decided that yes. win. So. I, yeah, I think the closest we came was maybe the opener last year mm-hmm. when the Browns were down, what was it, two scores? Yep. And he he strip-sacked Ben. Yep. Did he strip-sack him twice? I, I can't remember off the top of he my head. But he re- yep. I mean, he changed that game, and it kind of made you think, okay, this is going to be a J.J. Watt-type year from him. And I don't want to take away from what he did last year because what he did last year was great. But I do think there is a level where he can be, like you said, Scott, mm-hmm that J.J. Watt level defender, and sometimes it takes a couple years. Yes, and uh, the other thing about Miles, and I was thinking about this with Baker, too. Baker is running up against a time where there's some, there are some really good quarterbacks in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes, uh, obviously, NFL MVP, and, and he's 
hitting the NFL at a time where it's going to be really hard to get past some of those guys in an AFC championship game or in the playoffs. But I think it's the same for Miles Garrett. I mean, he is playing at a time where there are some great defenders. Aaron Donald, two-time NFL Defensive Player of the Year. That's where the bar is set right now. And like you guys said, you need to be dominant and you need to be so disruptive that you cannot watch three plays without seeing that guy do something. And that's what Miles Garrett needs to do. All right. You're up, Scott. Give us number three. We're going to run out of topics. Uh-oh. See what happens. We'll see. Maybe it's maybe it's a, a false start first and five. We'll see what happens. <laughs> How about Freddie Kitchens' first practice, first training camp practice as head coach? Uh, it went long. It was supposed to go 10 to 12. At least that's what the schedule was that, uh, you know, that's handed out to the media and well, the fans do. Um it was probably 12.30, almost 12.30, when things wrapped up. About 20 minutes before practice, he huddled everybody together, and I remember looking at you, Mary Kay, and thinking, well, that's it. I guess he's yeah. cutting it short because Hugh Jackson did that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but that wasn't the case. They came back out, and uh, they did some seven-on-seven, did mm-hmm. some uh, full-team drills, and uh, next thing you know, you're looking at your watch, and you're thinking, when is this going to end? <laughs> but, uh, you know, we asked him about that afterwards, and he said that uh, – he didn't expect it to go long today. Basically, what he said is, we're going to keep doing it until we get it right. And he wouldn't say what that huddle was about, but I'm, I'm assuming that he didn't maybe l- like what he saw mm-hmm. leading up to that uh, and had to remind the players about that. So, um, so yeah, if it says 10 to 12, that might not be the case. Uh, players are going to be putting in a lot of extra practice work. In, in the vein of kind of what you wrote on our Browns breakfast this morning, Scott, but Freddie Kitchens, when he talks... Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a coach that I think you want to listen to. Some coaches, when they talk, eh, I don't know if they mean that. Maybe they're just saying that. I think Freddie Kitchens, when he talks, he means it. He's he's not BSing. I mean, I'm sure there's some coach speak in there and some stuff that he's not telling us, obviously. But, you know, all off season he's been saying and, and talking about, you know, that hard knock scene and things in various interviews, various places when he's been asked about that, that it, it is going to be different and it is going to be, uh, maybe a little a little tougher. I, I know the Browns, and I remember hard knock, the Hard Knocks folks last year in a few different areas said that the Browns' training camp schedule last year was pretty grueling, honestly, just as far as how long their days were. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think Freddie's going to have these guys actually on the practice field a little longer um, because, I mean, you, you can't be that guy questioning that in the meeting room and then come out and run a 90-minute practice. Yeah, and just uh, real briefly, the other thing real quick was that um, that there were very, very few guys. There were not many bike guys. There's not a lot of uh, guys that are just going to get that veteran day off, if any. And uh, we'll see how that goes as as training camp goes along, if guys start to get a little nicked up or they need a day here or there. Uh, but on that first day, it was, I bet you he basically said, you're all getting your tails out there. Okay. Except for Kareem Hunt. He's out uh, for a few days with a crank. All right, let's move on to number four. We're going to start flying through these a little bit here. Number four, Mary Kay, we are back to you. Mike Daniels, Green Bay Packers defensive tackle, drafted by John Dorsey. Also, Elliot Wolf and Alonzo Highsmith were there in Green Bay at the time. He was let go. They tried to ter- trade him. It didn't work out. They didn't want to pay him, I think, the $8 million he was owed this year. He still has a lot of talent. Uh, he was in town in Cleveland today for his visit. Uh, I'm told he has numerous visits with other teams, that he's not going to make a decision today, but you would have to think that there would be a comfort level on his part to rejoin John Dorsey, Alonzo Highsmith, Elliot Wolf. This is the first visit that he's taking, 
And, you know, I think that's meaningful. Um, Sami, if you've heard this before, 30-something-year-old defensive tackle, recently released, looking for a job, visits Cleveland, visits other teams. We've heard this before. Yep. Gerald McCoy, he ultimately chose to sign with the Panthers and stay mm-hmm. in the NFC South. Uh, the NFL is an action-speak-louder-than-words league. Uh, I don't think this is necessarily a bad thing for Larry Ogunjobi, but I do think this says something about how the Browns feel about their defensive tackle depth, about how much he played last year. Uh, I think this is one of those actions speak louder than words minutes or moments because every time a defensive tackle is coming on the market, Mm -hmm. the Browns seem to be in the mix. I think Ogunjobi gets a lot of credit for last year that – it seems like he gets more credit than maybe he deserves for last year. He did flash early in the season. He had uh, a handful of sacks. I think he was second on the team at the end of the season mm-hmm. yep. uh, in sacks. But those came at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. I know he got injured late. Right. Um, but everybody, I think, kind of remembers those those good moments early on. And I don't know that they carried through all the way. In which you know, and if the Browns keep shopping for people on the defensive line like that, you have to wonder if they're not thinking the same thing. Did he? Did he? have the kind of production that that they wanted out of him. But as far as uh, someone like Daniels or even McCoy before him coming here for visits, think of a couple of years ago, these guys probably weren't coming here. You know, they, uh, Daniels was uh, quoted as saying, or at least it was reported, that he wants to go to a Super Bowl contender. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the Browns now. And right. they got to be feel, feeling pretty good about the fact that they can attract somebody like that. Uh, even, you know, no matter what role it is, they're, they're getting looks from people who want to be on a winner and, they're a winner now. Yeah, even though, even though they still have not had a winning record in <laughs> you know, yeah. over a decade. Yeah, so. I think it's going to be interesting because uh, you know they had the worst tackling team in the NFL last year. Their run defense was horrible, and they're obviously looking to shore that up. I think Steve Wilkes is probably uh, maybe asking for a little bit more in the middle of his defense, and they're trying to oblige. So I think they'll try to sign him. And it's just a matter of if they can get it done. Interestingly, I read yesterday uh, somewhere, maybe it was ESPN, maybe it was the NFL Network story, I, I don't remember, uh, but I guess his snaps were down significantly last year under Mike Pettin's, uh system. So maybe he's not a guy that comes in and plays every down, but maybe he is a guy. And he played both sides. He played mm-hmm. the left left tackle, right tackle. So he can play both of those interior positions. So that, that's another part of his value. Uh, topic number five, we're going to go with the secondary. And how about... Money Mitch, mm-hmm. Terrence Mitchell, yep. back with the first team. He was a surprise starter a season ago, was really good for this team before mm-hmm. he got hurt, and even after he, he got hurt, he became an important piece for this team. Greedy Williams was starting, or at least working with the first team. I hate to use the word starter in the spring, but he was working with the first team a lot um, in the spring. It was Money Mitch back starting uh, with the first team here today. Greedy Williams was with the second team. Um, I, I found it a little surprising. Yeah, a little surprising, but there's a method to their madness, and here's what it is. They were trying to drive competition, especially for some of those younger guys, those rookies, that they need to come up the learning curve very quickly. They're not going to just hand that job to Greedy Williams. If they, if if he's going to go out and do everything that he needs to do and be what they need him to be, they're going to light a little bit of a fire on him. They're going to keep his feet to the fire here a little bit. And you know what? We've seen Terrence Mitchell play, and we've seen T.J. Carey play, and those are some good cornerbacks. Before T.J. got hurt last year, he made some big plays. He's a turnover guy. Uh, he's disruptive, and this is going to be good competition. You know, Kitchens was, at, Kitchens was asked about that, uh, you know, why was Greedy Williams on the second team, uh, and he didn't have a great answer. He, he 
kind of went with the fact that this is who he wanted to go out there on day one of training mm-hmm. camp. Okay, fine. You know, he, he mentioned uh, Mitchell isn't going to go anywhere and Kerry isn't going to go anywhere. These guys are going to compete and they're going to want to try and win jobs too. So maybe tomorrow it's a different story. Um, but, yeah, today seeing Mitchell out there, I felt like today was a day to find out that the things we thought we knew after minicamp weren't, weren't all true. Right. That is <laughs> you know, Because this right. isn't the only position that we looked out there and, and saw someone that we maybe didn't expect to see so much of. Right. Tra- training camp is when it gets real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is when the real competition start for those 53 jobs. Uh, number six, we're over to you, Scott. Oh, geez. Um, number six, let's say, Duke, <laughs> let's say Duke Johnson. Okay. Um, Duke Johnson, I think, um, had a good day. You know, he, he walked out onto the field to people chanting his name, and that kind of held up throughout the day. He got some first-team reps. Uh, he, he had, uh, I guess, some... Uh, Kind words from Baker after what we heard uh, over the summer. Um, it, it, it seems that they've met about this. Uh, you know, harsh words that Baker is basically saying that you know if you don't want to be here, then then we don't want you, more or less. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, he said we're all good now. So um, you know, Duke looked like himself. Uh, he he had a little run in with uh, Sione Takitaki. Uh, there was no pra- no tackling in practice today but uh they kind of bumped into each other a little forcefully and and duke kind of had to be held back after that but uh other than that you know he he, he's here which is a big deal Mm -hmm. and uh they have they weren't lying they have plays for him (laughs) they Mm -hmm. have they have a package for him and we got to see some of that well i think duke is one of those principled guys he wants to be wanted he wants to be needed he wants to be liked all I think they needed to do all along was show him that they wanted him, that they felt he could play a valuable role on this football team. I have to think that over the last few days, somebody has gotten to him, sat down with him and said, we need you, we want you. We know that Stump Mitchell really likes him. Stump shows films of Duke to his players. Uh, so, you know, maybe maybe it was Stump. Maybe Freddie sat down with him. Uh, maybe he and Baker talked. But whatever the case may be, it seems like there's a little bit of a sea change going on. I don't know. Maybe we'll wake up tomorrow and somebody will trade a, a decent pick for him and he'll be gone. But it seems to me they're trying to kind of smooth the waters here and have him be part of the team. Isn't part of the impasse here, too, the fact that the Browns need him right now? Yeah. I, I mean, you, you said the word need multiple times, Mary Kay, and the right. Browns need him right now because they don't have another player who's going to be able to step out there week one and do what Duke can do at his level. Um, you know, Dontrell Hilliard can probably do some of it, but not at the level Duke can do it at. Um, some other guys that they're looking at probably. Now when Kareem Hunt comes back, that changes everything, but that doesn't happen until week 10. So you've got to get through eight games without Kareem Hunt, mm-hmm. and as much as we love to, to talk about it, we will if Duke Johnson is on this roster. Why isn't he playing more? Why isn't he getting more touches? All of this. Those topics will come up like they do every single year, but Duke Johnson is a guy that this team needs in its offense, and, and I think that that's why Freddie and, and John Dorsey stood, sat in front of us and said they're not going to give him away for nothing. Yep, absolutely, 100%. All right, we are, I think we're back to you. Back to me. Yeah. Well, this is a related topic. Let's Which talk is good, about. because I'm not ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Kareem Hunt for a minute, because the last uh, two times Kareem Hunt has kind of been in the news a little bit, they haven't been for good things. Uh, one was for a little minor incident outside of a bar, and the other thing is now he's uh, got a groin injury to start camp. So uh, those are two minor, minor little red flags that say to me that he is a work in progress, and I think that is another reason why uh, Duke remains a valuable part of this team, because 
as John Dorsey said yesterday, nothing is guaranteed with Kareem Hunt. He has to do a bunch of things in order to get back onto the field after this eight-game suspension is over. He's got to take care of his body. He's got to take care of his mind. He's got to take care of all the you know programs that he has to go to. He's got to try to live the kind of social life that isn't going to be detrimental to him. So this thing, again, it's it's going to be a one-day-at-a-time thing with him, and nobody knows exactly where it's going to go. And the other thing to keep in mind, it's it's real easy, and I'm guilty of this, to pencil him in when he comes back to be this multi-purpose mm-hmm. superstar back who's put up nearly 3,000 yards. What happened every time, you know, just Josh Gordon came back? You know, this super athlete pulled a hamstring, something like that. When you come back and, and you start to go full speed in the NFL, you don't always just hit the ground running. You, you kind of have to build up a little bit. So it, if they are able to get him back on the field, they're not going to necessarily feel that impact right away. You know, when they play, I think it's the Bills he comes back against. It might take a month. It might take some time to work him back in. Um, so th- this is still, it should feel very far away, and it is still very far away before we see him on the field. Yeah, I don't have a lot to add. I just, it's a long time to be away from the team during suspension. I talked to William Green for a story a while back, and he talked about his suspension and how bad of a situation it was when he wasn't allowed to have contact with the Browns. And where'd he end up? He ended up back in Atlantic City, New Jersey, where he was from, against all the people who were hanging on to him and wanted something from him and making bad decisions. And um, not saying that's going to happen to Cream Hunt, but, you know, that. The potential is there because he's not going to be around the, the the team that is trying to help him. So. Okay, I'm going to throw out a wild card here. Uh, hopefully you guys will be able to come up with something. But we had yesterday, we had Freddie Kitchen saying the Super Bowl is the goal, right? We had Miles Garrett today saying he wants to be Defensive Player of the Year. This is training camp. Every year there are some sort of, uh, I guess, cliche storylines we come up with. So let's play some storyline bingo. What's what's kind of the one thing that, that you think you're going to end up writing here in the next month that you're going to look back on and think, oh, I've written this story every single year about a different player. Mine is, and Scott, I think you had this a couple years ago, but I, I did it last year for Corey Coleman. Mine is, my diet has changed. Yes, I've learned how to eat better. I've taken advice from veterans. The diet story. That's one of my favorite training camp staples i don't know who we're going to get with that this year because all these guys come back in shape now anyway uh but i just might be a good diet story out there cody kessler eating 16 baby (laughs) carrots that was his secret yeah that's the i think that's the story i did the diet story i don't i can't think of anything do you have something i'm still thinking told you it was a wild card oh boy well we can move on all right we need number that is a good one though it is a good number nine give it give it some thought is it your turn Hmm. scott i think we're up to scott you know, I'm going to say uh, atmosphere and just the, the whole scene out there today. Uh, we've already talked about how the fans reacted when the players ran out of the field. Um, but, they, you know, the, the, I think the fans kept up the uh, enthusiasm throughout. You know, it's, it's, after the first however many minutes it becomes a football practice and maybe, you know, you're doing individual drills and there isn't so much to, to cheer about. But when they were doing uh, full team drills, uh, the fans were really into it. Every every catch, every every play, um you know, there were there were lots of cheers and there were tons of signs. There was one uh, <laughs> one man claimed he moved to to Ohio from New York just to to, to cheer for Odell. Uh, there were kids out there in Oklahoma jerseys. Um, you know, Odell jerseys as far as the eye could see. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was quite a scene. I, you know, you guys have been doing this a little longer than me. Um, you know, how does this compare to to camps you've seen in the past? I was told today. Um, 
that when Johnny Manziel was here, maybe it was even a little crazier. It was, what do you think? It was pretty wild when Johnny was here. Oh. Um, the, the atmosphere was great. I don't want to give the impression that the atmosphere wasn't great, but I don't think it was quite at the level of... Um, you know, I think part of it is we're here on a Thursday at 10 a.m. Yeah. I think Saturday and Sunday, this place is going to be absolutely nuts. And the hype is building because everybody now has seen Odell Beckham and, and they're excited. Um, I, I did think the atmosphere was good today. We had the fans chanting. You mentioned them. Um, I, I didn't think it was completely wild. I didn't think it was wild, like, over the top. When Johnny was here, it was completely insane. Yeah, you know what? I mean, there's so much buildup for something like this. It would be hard for a non-padded practice to live up to expectations. I mean, I thought it did for the most part because of the Odell stuff. Uh, You know, I I thought that uh, there was so much excitement and everything for that. But generally, uh, you know, these, these training camp practices, they have the same rhythm and vibe all the time. It's like you know, stretching and individual... Dr- I mean, they're, they're basically kind of boring. <laughs> I mean, the only excitement in training camp, I find, is when they put on the pads and do 11-on-11s. Other than that, it's kind of like, okay, let me make my grocery list. And <laughs> I do think I, I liked the answer Freddie gave to you today, Mary Kay, about having 15 open practices, and he made the point that, like, hey, it's expensive to go to a football game, especially now that this team has got... I mean, it used to be... A couple years ago, you could go to a December game for two bucks if you went on StubHub or whatever. But now you're not going to be able to do that. It's expensive to go to a football game. Obviously for us, we're out here every day. This is our job. It's a little different vibe and feel for us. But I do think, you know, for fans, for kids, this is a cool opportunity for them to get really close to the action, closer than they're ever going to get. Um, chance to get autographs, a chance to maybe hear things that they never hear because, you know, even though we only get to watch half-hour practice during the season, we get at least get to watch some of it. Um, they get to hear coaches and players and trash talk and things that they will never hear when they're watching on Sundays. Um, so, so I think it's a, it's a cool experience for fans. You know, I, I just think it needs something, and I've thought this for a long time. I think they should have an announcer at training camp. <laughs> I think that they should say... You know, now we're doing, you know, now we're doing seven on sevens and, and, you know, you know, talk about the the catch that Odell just met, you know, have an announcer, you know, you probably can't have video boards that they're they're probably not ready for that kind of technology yet. Uh, But, you know, punch it up a little bit, throw out some t-shirts. I mean, I don't know. It just needs something. It does does become a little bit of a grind over those two hours, I think. Get Nathan Zagura on the mic. Yeah, anything. (laughs) Um, Hey, I I have a cliche story. Oh, all right. Back to number eight. How will the? I, mean, we, I think we touched on this earlier. How will the Browns use Duke Johnson? That's a story there we haven't is. done really because he's given us something oh, else to right. talk about. But every single year, that's a story. Are they going to use Duke more? How should they use Duke? You know, we had him uh, following around Hugh Jackson one year. You know, yes. And then last year it was you know him saying, "I don't really know what I'm supposed to be." Wanted to be a wide receiver. Yeah. Yes. Oh. So that's a story we haven't done. If. If the trade rumors or the trade request goes away, I'm sure that's a story we're going to end up writing. Good for you for coming up with one. I still don't have one. <laughs> well, we're up to number 10, so you get to come up with our very last topic. All right, well. well a topic that will push us yes. over that one yard we need for the first yes. down. Well, my topic, my last topic is I spent some time watching some of the back-tier receivers today. That's a good one. Guys like Damian Ratley, I thought, looked good. Yes. Right? 
I thought Derek Willies made some catches. Uh, some of these young guys uh, are really going to have to step it up, and I think the competition for those last couple receiver spots is going to be really, really good. And I think this receiving core uh, is going to be excellent, and I think that Jarvis and Odell are setting the tone. Don't forget about Richard Higgins. He was out there in three wides uh, oh, yeah. today. Uh, you know, when they went to three wides, he was out there. So it's like, okay, Antonio Callaway, you're going to have to step up and, and claim your spot on this team. But some of those younger guys like Damian Ratley and Derek Willies, I think, are going to be guys to watch in this game. And something about Higgins, too. There were some reps here and there where, where Odell and Jarvis would maybe step back and not, yeah. not go, especially in one-on-one sometimes. Um, Higgins was out there. Every time, yeah. He's, I mean, it's just sort of in his DNA. Like he's a guy that's had to come from kind of out of nowhere to to overcome getting cut, get on the roster, spend some time on the practice squad. It was only like a week, but still time on the practice squad. Um, you know, it, you can see that in him. Um, the other name too, a guy that made some plays, Blake Jackson. Yep. Mm-hmm. He made some catches today, yep. and he's a guy that was here last year. Uh, got cut, but ended up back on the practice squad. Was inactive the last week of the season, but earned that elevation. So, um, you know, he's a guy to maybe keep an eye on too. The converted quarterback from is it Mary Harden Baylor? Is that right? Something like that. I think that? that's right. It was like Division Three. I, I wrote it today. I should remember yeah. it. But um, yeah, Blake Jackson uh, yeah. is a guy to kind of keep an eye on too. Yep. I don't know if you guys noticed, but there was two times today when Mayfield and Higgins totally just. We're out of sync. Like, yeah. and Higgins was wide open. I, I tweeted this is probably a sign of the apocalypse because those two guys <laughs> have been so in sync yeah. since last year. It was, it was kind of uh, shocking to see. Um, but, but you're right. Um, Blake Jackson, like, uh, he, he definitely stood out today. You have four spots you know are, are taken. Mm-hmm. So what? You have two two left. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of guys. Yeah. I don't. You know, you have some people who who have that experience, like Willies and Ratley. Um, right. Although both of them were kind of sidelined a lot uh, during off-season workouts, and I think Ratley um, had to be looked at by a trainer for a bit today. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's something to watch. But at the end of the day, these are guys who you hope don't get a lot of playing time during the season. You know, last season they did. You had games like I think it was the Chargers game where Baker looked out there and had to wonder who are these guys. You know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely bottom of the depth chart, but but they got to figure it out. And, I mean, like you hate to say it, somebody's going to get hurt. Yep. I don't know. who. It's, somebody's going to get hurt, so they're going to need to have these receivers uh, behind the top guys uh, to be able to step in, whether they stash them on a practice squad or they're out of the league for a couple weeks and mm-hmm. they call them back in, whatever it is. Um, they're they're going to need to have these guys kind of uh, right by the phone, and, and this is a good chance to get a look at a lot of these guys as well. All right, we did it, 10 topics. I don't know if we'll be able to do 10 topics every single day, but we will uh, make every effort to bring you a podcast every day, the Orange and Brown Talk podcast on cleveland.com. I do, of course, as always, need to promote... Project Text. But as we go along here... Project Text is going to take on whole new meaning. We're going to have a lot of different things. So, yeah. uh, But look for it at the bottom of all of our stories. Uh, subscribe to Project Text. It's $3.99 a month. That is really less than a, what, a caramel macchiato? Probably. I spend way too much on coffee, so yeah. <laughs> so uh, sign up, and we'll give you some good stuff from out here at camp. All right. That'll do it for the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. For Mary Kay and Scott, I am Dan. Thanks for listening.